And it's a classic chapter on the subject of sin and repentance. Sin and repentance. Now, Saul was the king of Israel and David was also. And the difference between the two, both of them committed great sins. Uh, probably David, maybe uh, even worse than Saul, but both of them great sins. The difference between David and Saul was David was not only a big sinner, but David was a great repenter. Uh, that made the difference. Uh, he did as bad as Saul did, but David had a heart for repentance. And uh, David, uh, he couldn't live with his sin. And uh, David learned some lessons when he sinned. And uh, that's what I'm preaching about this morning, lessons David learned about sin. And David's trouble began back in, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Uh, his trouble began when David came home one day from the war and he didn't go out to battle, but he stayed home. And he got in trouble that day because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And he walked out upon the roof and he saw a beautiful woman named Bathsheba that was bathing there. And uh, everybody's out to war, so David's there by himself. And being the king, he can pretty much have what he wants. And so he sends for the woman. And uh, they have an adulterous affair. And uh, it wounds up after that. It ended up in a plot for her husband to be murdered. And uh, a terrible thing, terrible thing. And uh, David uh, messed up. David uh, sinned greatly against God. And, uh, but David learned something from his sin. We all mess up. Uh, we, all, we all make uh, mistakes. We all just plain old sin. But when you sin and when you make a mistake, at least learn something from it. A lot of people don't learn nothing from it. They, uh, they commit a sin and, uh, and they go right back and just keep on doing the same thing or uh, more than likely doing things worse. Uh, uh, but one thing we'll have to say about David is David did sin, but David learned something about his sin. Uh, and uh, we don't find him doing that kind of thing again uh, after this. Now, I want to give you some things this morning that David learned about sin. Number one, David learned that all sin uh, is seen by God. Uh, all sin is seen by God. It's right there in verse 4. He said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned uh, and done this evil, underline it in thy sight. Uh, uh, God sees all sin. Uh, how much better people we'd be as Christians and believers uh, if somehow we could live with that reality that God sees all sin. Uh, uh, God sees in the daylight. God sees in the dark. God sees every place. Uh, uh, God sees all sin. Uh, uh, I wonder if we wouldn't be better Christians and talk better and live better uh, and, uh, and be where we're supposed to be at the times we're supposed to be places uh, if we remembered that God sees all sin. Uh, uh, everybody needs to remember that. Uh, and uh, you young people need to remember that. Uh, uh, that God sees all sin. Uh, uh, you might be out of the sight of mom and dad. Uh, uh, you might be out of the sight of church people. You might be out of the sight of the preacher. But remember that God sees all sin. Amen. Uh, uh, David learned that. David forgot about that. You say, we all know that. Yeah, we all know it. Uh, uh, but we forget about it. Uh, 
uh, the devil blinds our minds to it in a moment of temptation, in a in a time of great temptation. We forget that God uh, is watching what we do. Moses knew that. Uh, uh, Moses, the great leader of Israel, he wrote in Numbers, uh, uh, I think it's Numbers 23, 32, Moses wrote these words, uh, uh, Be you sure uh, your sin will find you out. Uh, uh, and so Moses knew that a man can't sin uh, uh, without it being found out. Uh, uh, you remember when Moses murdered that guy? And he looked this way and that way, uh, and uh, he didn't think nobody had seen him, but he found out uh, uh, that his sin found him out. Uh, David found that out. Uh, David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and uh, David thought it was over with when she left the palace, and he said goodbye to her. He thought it was all over with. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, in a few months she became uh, with child. Uh, oh no, uh, uh, David's sin found him out. Uh, and now he's going to try to cover it up. Uh, uh, and that don't work. Uh, so just remember whether it's me or you or whoever it is, uh, uh, you cannot sin without God uh, uh, knowing about it and without it eventually finding you out. Amen. Uh, the Bible said Job knew that. Uh, Job said in Job 34, 21, uh, talking about God, uh, he said his eyes upon the ways of man. Uh, uh, God is always looking at you uh, and God is looking at me. Amen. Uh, Solomon knew that, the great writer of Proverbs, the man of wisdom. Solomon said there in verse 3 of chapter 15, the eyes of the Lord, uh, uh, they run to and fro uh, uh, throughout the whole earth, uh, uh, beholding the good and the evil. Uh, uh, so when we sin, be it big, be it small, be it large, uh, uh, be it whatever it is, uh, God sees all sin, and David learned that. Amen. Uh, not only did David learn that God sees all sin, uh, but David learned that sin must be dealt with truthfully. Uh, uh, you can lie to yourself about sin. Uh, uh, you, can, you can say it's all right, it's okay. Uh, uh, but David had learned the hard way that all sin has to be dealt with truthfully. The Bible said in Psalms 51 verse 6, uh, he said, Behold, thou desire truth in the inward parts, uh, and in the hidden uh, part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Uh, what David said in so many words, uh, I had to come clean with God. Uh, I had to get honest with God uh, uh, before I could get anywhere with my sin. Uh, uh, you see, uh, David uh, tried to cover it up for a little while, but I can promise you this, uh, the very moment that David sinned, uh, and David was aware of that sin, uh, most of the time, if not all the time, we know when we sin. Amen. Uh, uh, we know when we do wrong uh, uh, by two ways. One, we have a conscience that God gives us, uh, and uh, then if we're saved, we got the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. Uh, and if you're a child of God, He lets you know uh, uh, the very moment that you sin against God or do something uh, uh, against God, He lets you know that. Amen. Uh, now I know this, I know the very minute that David committed adultery with Bathsheba, I know that very second, that very minute uh, uh, that David's peace stopped. Uh, 
uh, the peace that he writes about in the Psalms and talks about in the Psalms, uh, uh, that peace was gone. Uh, uh, he might try to act like it was alright and believe like it was alright, uh, uh, but down deep inside uh, uh, there was a turmoil going on uh, uh, that he could not get peace like he felt uh, uh, when he was at one time right with God. Uh, not only that, I believe the very moment that he committed adultery with Bathsheba, I believe his prayers were hindered. Uh, uh, he couldn't get prayer through like he once did. Uh, uh, he couldn't. He couldn't feel God when he prayed like he once did. Uh, uh, he couldn't find the blessings of God like he once did. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 62, "If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord uh, uh, will not hear me." Uh, in other words, if I know I've done wrong and God's pointed it out to me and I've been convicted about it uh, until I get that thing right, uh, uh, the Bible said the Lord uh, will not hear me. Amen. Uh, uh, not only that, but the very moment that he committed this adultery, he felt a guilt uh, uh, that he could not get rid of. Uh, he was guilty before God, if you will. Amen. Uh, uh, the moment he sinned, uh, the moment he sinned, uh, uh, it all started and it didn't stop until the moment he got right with God. You have to get right with God about sin. I know we live in the society we're living in and you'll probably go to 30 churches, maybe 300 before you'll ever even hear anybody say something about sin. Amen. Uh, but it's, it's in the Bible. And uh, as we heard yesterday, the reason lost people have to get saved is because they're sinners. Amen. You say, Brother Rick, what's a sinner? That's somebody that's broke the law of God. The Bible said sin is transgression against the law. That's how John describes sin. So anytime we break God's law, we're sinners. You say, how many sins do you have to commit to, be, to become a sinner? One. The Bible said if we broke one commandment, we broke them all, the Bible said. We could illustrate that in the sense that don't mean if you have uh, if you've lied that don't mean you've committed adultery or you've killed somebody you murdered somebody that don't mean that but what it means is this. Uh, that I can take a rock this big uh, and I can throw it through that window and it'll be broke. Uh, I can take a BB that big uh, and shoot it through that window and it'll still be broke. Uh, and what the meaning is uh, uh, that if you broke one, it's broke. Uh, uh, you're a sinner. Amen. Uh, uh, well, the Bible said uh, uh, that David came to a place that he had to deal truthfully about his sins. Uh, oh, only God knows how many people have no peace. Uh, uh, have no have no uh, productive prayer life. Uh, uh, live with guilt every day of their life uh, uh, because if they won't get truthful with God uh, and they won't come clean, God, Amen. Uh, uh, well, you say, what did it get for David to deal truthfully with it? A preacher, Amen. 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 Look back in Second Samuel chapter twelve and verse one. This is after a long period. Uh, Bathsheba's uh, going to have the baby. Oh, she had the baby, I guess. Or, no, she hadn't had it yet. She's going to have it. Your eyes already dead. And David has let this thing go. You see, just because 
forgot about something or I forgot about something don't mean God forgot about it. Amen? And we thank God's got all about it. And we go down the house of God and he puts it on some preacher's heart to preach about it. And you know what that does? That brings it back to our remembrance. It's like muck and mire on the bottom of the ocean. The movement brings it up to the top. And the preaching of the Word of God will do that. The Bible said in verse 1 of chapter 12, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Uh, everybody needs a Nathan every now and then. Amen. Uh, everybody needs somebody every now and then just point out what they've missed or they're trying not to see. Uh, everybody needs that. And so God sent him. Uh, the Lord sent Nathan. Amen. Uh, people get mad at the preacher sometimes. I wouldn't say it don't happen. I, I wouldn't say a preacher being flesh and blood. I, I wouldn't say there wouldn't sometimes that he points out or says something in the flesh uh, uh, because he's heard or knows something. Uh, uh, but most of the time a preacher... He doesn't even realize uh, who he's preaching to when he preaches it. Uh, and a lot of times he's like he's preaching to John Doe uh, and he don't even get it. It's somebody way back there. Uh, and they start out and they say, uh, Preacher, um, you must have been talking to my wife. Uh, uh, my wife must have told you everything about me. Uh, and uh, most of the time, preacher don't even know his wife. I, I don't even know nothing's going on. I, but you see, he's prayed, he sought God, I, and uh, God knows what's going on. God knows what everybody needs today. God knows what you need and I need. I, and God knows what portion of Scripture to bring up. Or what comment, comment to have the Sunday school teacher make. Or what comment to put upon the preacher's heart. I, why? Because God... He's trying to get you to deal truthfully with sin. Why does God care? Because God loves you and God wants to bless you fully. And God can't bless you fully uh, unless you come clean with God. Amen. Uh, God, uh, God don't want to punish you. God is not. God is a better father than I've ever been. Uh, uh, God is a better father other than you've ever been. Uh, and uh, if there, if you like to punish your children, there's something wrong with you. Amen. Uh, uh, I mean, we we don't like to whip them. We don't like to get on them, make them mind. Uh, uh, I mean, we go through every little scenario. Uh, I've told you once. I ain't gonna tell you again. Uh, uh, this is the last ninety-nine time. I'm gonna tell you. I mean, we'll go far as we can go. God is a better father than we are. God loves us better than we love our own children. Uh, and uh, God, God don't want to punish us. Uh, and so what He wants you to do, He wants you to quit your meanness. He wants you to quit what you're doing uh, and do what He wants you to do. And then God won't have to chastise me and won't have to chastise you. Amen. Uh, and so God sent the preacher down there, Nathan. Uh, and then not only did the preacher come, uh, but it took this, it took this. Uh, he had to put his finger right in David's face. Uh, and he had to say, Thou art the man. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, David, he went through this little old uh, parable of a thing. And uh, he's trying to get David to see it on his own. Uh, but don't forget this. We always see everybody else's sin a lot better than we do our own. He tells us a little parable. And he says... He says, there was two men in one city. I mean, I'm in the second Samuel 12. The one rich and the other poor. 
The rich man had it exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb which he had brought, nursed up. It grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, drank of his own cup, lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. There came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, and took the poor man's lamb, dressed it up for the man that was come to him. And David was greatly David was anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, this man that had done this thing shall surely die. And he said, He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. I, David said, Listen to that story. I, and it never even dawned on him. Uh, uh, that he was the rich man uh, he was the one that had all these uh, flocks he could have picked from any woman he wanted to uh, uh, it didn't have to be somebody's wife uh, it didn't have to be somebody's mother he could have picked from anybody in the whole kingdom uh, uh, but David took this man Uriah he just had one little ewe lamb uh, and David took that one from him uh, and uh, when David heard that story David said man uh, that person needs to die, that person is going to have to uh, have to repay fourfold. Uh, and Nathan said, "David, uh, thou art the man." Yeah. Sometimes God puts His finger right in your face. I've said this myself, and I've heard other people say it. When you wasn't right with God, or before you got saved. You say that old preacher come around and he pointed that crooked finger and it looked like a shotgun pointed right at me fixing to go off. And when the preacher pointed that crooked finger at me over 40 some years ago, it did go off. And it hit me right in the heart. You see, God, God sends somebody to point out the arrows of our way. Amen. You know a lot of things happen to a child of God. They're not accident. They're not circumstance. They're not mistakes. Uh, a lot of times God lets things happen in my life and your life. Uh, uh, and they're simply a test of character to see what we're going to do. Uh, I, had a, I had a situation happen and I won't go into detail. Uh, and uh, I ain't going to tell you all about it. But I, I would have thought I'd never did this. But I happened many, many years ago, 40 years ago, and I had two ways to go, one right, one wrong. I'm ashamed to tell you I went the wrong way. You say, what God do? Well, He forgave me of it, but it showed me the test of my character. I wasn't what I thought I was. Amen. I want you to know, listen, that David's there, and Bathsheba's there, and David brings her in, and David commits adultery with her and the Bible said that God sent Nathan down and Nathan put his finger in his face and he said thou art the man uh, uh, and that pierced his heart uh, you know what the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing the dividing sunder of the soul and the spirit and tomorrow, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
God not only knows what we do, he knows what we're going to intend to do. Amen. He tries to warn us. He tries to, uh, he tries to flag us down. He tries to stop us. But David learned that sin has to be dealt with truthfully. We have to become honest with God. Have to come honest with God. You can get baptized. You can persuade the pastor and the clerk to put your name on the church book. You can give all your stimulus check. You can sing in the choir. You can do everything that you can think to do. But it won't get rid of that until you come honest with God. You and I have to become honest with God. Amen. David learnt that. And David learnt this. David learnt that sin makes you feel unclean. Look at it. Verse 7. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. David felt unclean. As a child of God, when you and I sin, the Holy Spirit, did you get that? The Holy Spirit. Did you get that? The Holy Spirit. He's holy. If you're saved, He lives right down inside of you. And whenever anything unholy comes in there, it's like that alarm system I got on my house. DT. All the doors are bolted. All the doors are locked. All the windows have alarms on them. But the very minute somebody makes their way into that, that alarm goes off. And what that's saying to me, there's somebody in here that ought not be in here. There's an intruder in here that ought not be in here. Every child of God, God installed an ADT system inside of you. And every time somebody comes in there or something comes in there that ought to be in there, that alarm goes off. And that alarm says something's in here that ought not be in here. I read about a lady. She was on one of these governmental tours. And she had on a, for the tire that day, she wore a white dress. Unbeknown to her that the tour was going to take them many places, but one of the places that the tour was going to take them was a coal mining place. And they went up there and they're fixing to take a tour into some parts of the coal mine. And the man that was going to take him, he looked at the lady and he said, Ma'am, he said, you can't go in there. You'll have to wait here till they get back. And uh, she got irate, a little bit of authority, you know, figure. She got irate and she said, Sir, I, I don't see anything that will keep me from going in there with this white dress on. He said, No, ma'am. He said, There's nothing to keep you from going in with a white dress on but there's plenty to keep you from coming out with one on. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. See, you can't mess with sin. I'm not talking about drugs or drinking or adultery as is our story today. But I'm just talking about sin. 
We're not, we're not saved by sinless life. If we was, we'd all go to hell. But I will say this, the cleaner, the cleaner the congregation, the cleaner the church, the more the power of God in it. You say, how you know that? I've been going in and out of them for 41 years. Amen. Listen, the Bible said that David felt unclean. I don't like feeling unclean. Amen. They tell me when you get older that you don't like to take baths. I'm not old. I'm not old. Sheila, you remember when Daddy was in the nursing home? They give you one bath a week. I mean, you know, you get sponge baths every day, but there's so many people in there, just one bath a week. Daddy didn't want to do that one. I said, Daddy, you got to take a bath today. He'd say, He'd say, Why? Said, because you're dirty, Daddy, you need to take a bath. He said, How could I get dirty? I ain't doing nothing but laying in this bed. But you know, you don't have to go in the bar joint. You don't, you don't have to go in a house of ill repute. You don't have to go to the keg party or the drug party to get dirty. You see, our problem is we don't know when we get dirty. We don't listen. Yeah. Old story. When I was a young boy, Sheila remember this. She's been heard and one other probably old, old enough to remember this. Joy won't remember this. But we lived down on Goree Wells' farm. We were tenant farmers. And we didn't have a, a bathroom inside. And, uh, and my mother would take a number three washing tub and she'd fill that full of water and she'd set it on the sidewalk out in the hot sun in the summertime to warm the water up because we didn't have a water heater. Yeah. And then us three kids, we'd take turns getting in there. We didn't believe in mixed bathing. And we'd get in there. And I've always said you just hope and pray you weren't the last one. You say, why? Don't do much good to try to get clean in a mud puddle. Amen. I remember I'd get in there, my dear mother, bless her heart this morning, bless her memory this morning. I can remember Jack, my dear mother, coming out there, and my dear mother saying, Ricky, are you ready to get out? And I'd say, yeah. And she'd say, are you clean? I'd say, yeah. And she'd turn my arm up, she'd say, boy, your elbows are rusted. You've got dirt behind your ears. And my mother would find dirt in places I didn't even know I had dirt. I, and I said that to say this, God, we sit here clean. We sit here thinking that we're clean and spotless and don't need nothing. Uh, uh, but God finds dirt on us. We don't even know where it's at. Uh, that's what hinders our services. That's what hinders our walk with God, our prayer life. David... He made a plea. When you get dirty, I don't like to feel dirty. Uh, amen. I mean, if if I go out fishing or or I go out somewhere where it get all muddy and dirty, when I get home, I want to get cleaned up. David, he got to the point he was dirty, 
and he done what most Christians don't do and most sinners don't do. He wanted to be clean. He got tired of feeling that way and David made a plea and it's right there in verse 7. David said, Purge me with hyssop. You say, what's hyssop? Well, to me, hyssop was a, a plant that growed up and Israel used it in their ceremonies and they would take blood and dip it in blood and they would throw that blood on the things that they wanted the ceremonial clean. And David said, purge me with hyssop. You say, what's that saying to me? That's saying this to me, that for us to get clean, it takes something extra. You can clean the outside, but you can't reach into the inside. I heard somebody say one time after they got it from the altar and they got saved, they said, are you saved? And they said, yeah, I feel like I've had a bath on the inside. Amen. Pretty good. Plea, plain truth. David said, wash me. Why did David say that? Because he couldn't wash himself. Michelle said the other night in a testimonial service, what Philip Keller says in his book about shepherds and sheep, and what I've said times preaching, but uh, she said this, there's one thing that a sheep can't do. They can't clean their self. And you and I can't clean ourselves. We can clean the outside, but we can't reach in the inside. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. I said, wash me, I can't wash myself. And David knew there's a possibility. David said, I shall be whiter than snow. I'm glad that God, when He saved me, that God cleaned out a place inside of me that is as clean and holy as Jesus Christ Himself. That place can't sin. That's why I'm eternally That's why I'm going to heaven because when God saved me, His seed remains in me that I can't sin. There's a part in me that can't sin. But there's another part of me that can. Amen. That part of me that can is that old Adamic nature. Boy, can it do it. Boy, can he lead us to sin. That old Adamic nature. And I want to say thank you, Jesus Christ, that when you saved me, I, I, that you fixed it up good and you fixed it up as a part in me that can't sin. I, I, but even the parts that can sin, you've made arrangements and things uh, uh, that I can keep it clean so it don't affect my fellowship and my prayer life. And I say thank God for it. I, I, you say, how does God do that? The blood of Jesus Christ. It takes something extra. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you from all sin. Amen. David learned that. David learned that sin makes us losers. Where's that at? Verse 12. Restore unto me. He's lost something. Something's gone. He needs something restored back. Whenever we sin, we lose. We lose. If we don't go to the house of God when we're able, you say, that ain't a sin. Are you sure? Whenever we don't go to the house of God, 
we lose something. Whenever we don't read our Bible every day, you say, that ain't no sin. You sure? Well, I'll tell you one thing, sin or no sin, whenever we don't read that book every day, we lose something. Whenever we don't pray every day, you say, that is sin. Uh, what do you think? I'll tell you one thing, whenever we don't pray every day, we lose something. I forgot what great preacher it was. I read years ago, one of them away back yonder. But he said, if I shall fail to pray one single day of a week in my life, I shall lose much of the power of God out of my life. You lose. See, David lost all his spiritual senses. COVID, they say, if you get COVID, you can't smell. If you get COVID, you can't taste stuff. Those two go together, you know. That's a physical thing that takes away uh, spiritual senses, if, or physical senses, if you will. Well, when we sin spiritually, it takes away spiritual senses. What are they? Taste, smell, hearing, sight. What is it? Feeling. David lost all that. You say, why? David don't say here what he said over in Psalms 34 and verse 8. You say, what did he say? Oh, taste the Lord and see that He's good. Lost his taste. David said, huh, what's that you say, Lord? Lord, let me hear. Let me hear, Lord. He's lost his hearing. He's lost some parts of his feeling. One said David lost his joy. Yes, he lost his joy. Because he can't hear. He can't taste. Amen. He can't see what he needs to see. He's lost his sight. He couldn't see what he needed to see till God pointed out to him. Amen. Wash me thoroughly with iniquity. Or wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me, restore unto me. Make me to hear. Hey, we're talking about the sweet psalmist of Israel. He wrote over all the most of the Psalms in there, and that's nothing but a but a songbook is all that is. But you know what he is here? He said, Lord, come for me that my tongue may sing aloud. It's right there. Right there, verse 14, that my tongue may sing aloud. Uh, he's lost his song. Why, one time he wrote this. Lord, you lifted me up out of the miry clay. You set my feet on an even place. You've established my going. You put a song in my heart. Not now. Lost his song. He's lost his speech. He's not telling nobody about the Lord. He's not witnessing to nobody about the Lord. He ain't bragging on God. You say, why? Look at verse 14. God opened my lips. 
I'm not testifying anymore. I'm not witnessing anymore. I'm not confessing sin anymore. God, open my lips. That's what sin does. David learned sin makes us all losers. But David learned. David learned the best thing for a sinner to do. In Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. David learned the best thing that a sinner can do is come to God. Come to God. Look in verse 1. He's come to God. Have mercy upon me, O God! Best thing for a sinner to do is come to God and just keep on coming to God. I heard Billy Mitchell say one time that when he got saved, he repented. And he said that he never did quit repenting. You heard him say that, I guess, Miss Linda. You heard Billy a lot. He said, sometimes I have to pray and ask God to forgive me of my repenting. Amen. 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 The Bible said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come unto me. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. John six thirty seven. Jesus said, All the Father giveth to me cometh to me. The best thing that a sinner can do is what they usually don't do. The best thing a backslider can do is usually what they don't do. They run from God. They try to hide from God. They try to stay away from God. But the best thing you can do is come to God. That's what David did. You say, I messed up. He knows it. Come and tell him you're sorry about it. You say, he came to God, didn't want to do He confessed his sin. Look in verse 3. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin. Watch this. is ever before me. David saw that thing everywhere he looked. Everywhere he looked, he saw that thing until he got it out of his life. He confessed his sin. I acknowledge my... You said, well, didn't God know it? Yeah, He knowed it. But He wants us to confess our sin. Amen. You say, why do we have to confess it? Because He said to. That's reason enough. Because the only way that we can ever get peace and joy and feeling and sense back in our life is if we confess our sin to God. You know what people do? They have a way of going around and telling everybody else, hey, I did this, what do you think about it? Hey, let me run something by you. Hey, let me give you a scenario. Of course it ain't me, but a a real good friend of mine. What do you think? You can tell everybody in Glasgow, Kentucky, all thirty-five to 40,000 of them, and you'll only grow worse. 
But you can tell God one time and mean it from your heart and God will wipe the slate clean. God will put the rose in under your nose and say, smell this now. God put testimony down in your heart and you can't wait for the preacher to shut up so you can give it. God will let you feel again. I have diabetes, as many of you know. There's a thing they call neuropathy. I've got some of it in my feet. Every time I go to the doctor, he gets out a needle and says, take your shoes and socks off. And he sticks me with that needle in the bottom of my feet. So you feel that? Well, sometimes I say I do when I don't because I see him doing it and I know what he's doing. But sometimes it's just like that right there. I don't feel nothing. You know what I think a lot of Christians have got in their kind of a day? They got spiritual neuropathy. They don't feel nothing anymore. Nothing in the singing. Nothing in the preaching. Nothing in people getting saved. Nothing! David confessed his sin. And this is, don't miss this. Verse 1, David said, Have mercy upon me, O God. David, come to God. David done the best thing a sinner could do. He confessed his sin. And thirdly, David did the best thing a sinner could do. He counted on the mercy of God. You know why David said what he said in verse 17? Verse 16, Thou desires not sacrifices. God's all about sacrifices. Why didn't God desire one? Because for what David did, there is none. For what he did, it's throwing a stone and killing him and death. Him and Bathsheba both. Death. But you know what David did without a New Testament, without a Schofield Bible, without being in the age of grace? Uh, uh, you know what he did? He counted on the mercy of God. Yeah. Amen. And neighbor, you can count on it every time. One time I was in a situation and asked to do something that I really wasn't sure I needed to do in my pharisaical way of thinking. And I'm talking to God about it. And I said, God, I don't know where to do this thing or not for these people. I don't know, God, if I'm being too merciful or not. It was like that little inner voice said, Are you more merciful than me? No, Lord. I got my answer. Count on the mercy of God. God's a merciful God. David learned them five little lessons through sin. Shame he had to sin, but at least he learned something from it. Learned something from it. If you're here today... Lost without God, you should have been saved ten years ago. You should have been saved five years ago. You should have confessed Christ a hundred times a hundred years ago. 
You should have confessed Christ in a hundred services. But you hadn't done none of it. But God's merciful. Amen. God's merciful. Father, thank you today for forgiving David, which gives